There was a man of the Pharisees who was a ruler among the Jews. His name was Nicodemus. Came to Jesus by night, and Jesus told him, You must be born again. And his response is almost childlike. It's surprising. Here you have this well respected man, a ruler. People look up to him, and first thing Jesus says is, as a childlike response, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter? The second time into his mother's womb and be born? Well, of course not. But I think we can forgive him because uh, I think anyway, he's trying to wrap his head around it. I mean, if what Jesus is saying is true, it changes his whole world. It changes his whole outlook on life. Radical change in his old way of thinking. Because Jesus is telling him, He needs salvation, and that's something he thinks that he already has. He was trusting in his physical birth as a Jew, as a biological descendant of Abraham, and then he'd been counted righteous by his peers and so well-respected, and knowing the Torah so well, they made him a leader, and he's accepted into this exclusive group, elite group known as the Pharisees. He was trusting in all of that, but your physical birth doesn't make you part of the kingdom of God. You must be reborn. It's a spiritual birth. So don't trust in the flesh. And it's a familiar story to us that in the beginning God created the earth and everything in it. God himself then planted a garden in Eden. If you look at it carefully, that's what it says. He planted it for the first man and put him there. And everything was perfect, everything was good, until that day when Adam sinned. And when Adam did that, he allowed the devil to plant a sinful seed in his flesh that's been passed down through the ages, parent to child, parent to child, down to you and me and our children. A lot of people don't like that. They fight against it. It's true. Our sinful nature, humankind's sinful nature is clearly seen. Whether I turn on the TV news and see atrocities around the globe or open up a newspaper. The people still get paper and newspaper. (laughs) They're still online. I guess the actual paper isn't doing very well. But what do you see in there? Crime after crime. Local stuff, I mean. So it's worldwide. It's local. What about my own family? What about myself? What if I look inside my own heart? No matter where I look in the kingdom of man, there's sin. So how can I argue against our sinful nature? What if I look at my own actions? Even as a Christian, never mind. My goodness, before before I came to Christ, what about now? So we're a fallen race. It's just a fact. So it's foolish, but there's many, millions of them, hundreds of millions of them. I don't know exactly how many. A lot of people around the globe trust in the flesh. They trust in their heritage, some of them. And I'm going to pick on everybody, so bear me out in this. I'm going to talk about rich people and poor people, okay? Don't throw the fruit yet. But there's rich people that, that say, well, 
Look at my heritage. I'm not like one of the uneducated, unwashed masses. I'm a good person. Or some would even say I'm a, I'm a noble birth. And, you know, I'm powerful and good. And, and the, the world's lucky to have me. A person like me. But they're no better than anyone else. I didn't grow up that way. There's no silver spoon. <laughs> okay, but then there's poor people that say, well, poor people are good. It's, it's the rich people and the powerful people around the world cause all the world's problems. We're the good people. We're the good ones. And there's some that trust in their heritage. That they think they're good because they have white skin. They think they're good because they have black skin. The devil loves that. Envy and strife. And people around the world pointing to each other and saying, we're good, you're evil. Envy, strife, and war. But what's, what's God say? Psalm 14, verse 2. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. So it's not somebody else that needs a Savior. It's me. It's you and me and our children. We're all born sinful. And Jesus said, he must be born again. And he spoke on that day so long ago to Nicodemus. This is a living word of God that echoes down throughout the ages as reverberating in this room today. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So if you want to avoid hell, if you want to inherit God's kingdom, it's never going to be through good works. You can't make yourself a good person. It won't be because you were born to Christian parents or because you went to church. It won't be because you put money in a plate when they passed it around. The only way to enter the kingdom of God is by making Jesus Christ your Lord. And Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, it says. And why at night? Could have been that he wanted to come to Jesus in secret. He wanted to use darkness to cover his movements. And those who come to Christ often face persecution, that there are cultural groups that if you become a Christian and you're a friend with them, that they'll just have nothing to do with you anymore. And there are groups that even if someone becomes a Christian, even if they're a family member, they won't have anything to do with them. Some will even have a funeral. It's a cultural practice. You become a Christian, you leave their religion, become a Christian, they'll literally have a funeral for you and treat you as dead, dead to them. And at the same time, the fear of being shunned is very real in American culture. No, we don't have funerals for people if they come to Christ. But you might lose your friends. Could lose all your friends. Could even cause a rift between you and family. In Luke 18, verse 28, Peter says, speaking of Jesus... Lo, we have left all and followed thee. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, 
There is no man that's left house or parents or brethren or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake who shall not receive manyfold more in this present time and in the world to come life everlasting. So yes, it's a sacrifice to the Lord, but you will be blessed. The multiplication starts right now and extends on into eternity. But it's something to think about. What's important to you, Christ or things of the world? Luke 14, 25. This is Jesus speaking. There were great multitudes with him. And he turned and said to them. So I just want to stop to see what happened. There were a lot of people following him. So Jesus decided it was time to turn around to this great multitude, in other words, thousands of people, and say something to them was going to make the great majority go away, at least for the time being. Jesus knew a principle. Sometimes you have to add by subtraction. It's not just, oh, we want people to come inside the building. We want people to say they follow Christ. Jesus, by all means, wanted people to follow him, but for the right reasons. So he goes on. This is what he said in verse 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father and his mother and his wife and children and brethren and sister, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And a lot of people couldn't wrap their heads around it, so they just left. You want me to hate my parents, my children? No, it's hyperbole. It means that you love God so much that in contrast, it would seem like hate, perhaps. And, and if your family's going to disown you because you come to Christ, you love Christ so much, you're going to go to Him and then pray for them. Because that's what's best for them, ultimately. They might come to Christ through you. That's what it means. But some stayed. They're still struggling to understand it. So he told them a parable. It's a parable of building a tower, verse, 20, verse 28. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sits not down first and counts the cost, whether he has sufficient to finish it, lest happily, after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and wasn't able to finish. So if you counted the cost, if you come to Christ, could very well cost you everything. So on that night long ago, when Nicodemus came to Jesus, and yes, it was at night, maybe he was sneaking around. We don't know, but a lot of people have given Nicodemus a lot of flack over it, came to Jesus at night. But we read him later on in the Gospels doing things publicly. But anyway, yeah, he did come at night. Why? Well, it could be he was counting the cost. Come secretly. He knew. He knew some anyway. Another possibility. Why Nicodemus came at that particular time. And both of these reasons could have been true. Could, have, could be simply that that's a time... Jesus called him, the Father drew him to Christ, and at that moment he heard the voice, and he went. He heard God's voice and he obeyed. John 6, 44, this is Jesus speaking. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. 
So if you have never come to Christ and you feel God drawing you, you hear His voice calling you to Christ, my advice is go. Go right that minute, run if you have to. And here's the thing. I've worked for years and years as a street evangelist, used to do it more. And I can remember more than one case when I, there's not just one. When I was witnessing to young people and they didn't want it. And some young people say, well, maybe later, or they'll even say, I want to have some fun first. And they, they think they'll be enjoying sin for a season. The Christian, faith, the Christian life is actually a lot more fun. It, it surpasses all that and it's satisfying, but they don't know that. They think they're having fun, so they say, oh, maybe, maybe later. And they're taken tomorrow for granted. But will they even be here tomorrow in the land of the living? Or will an angel come with a sickle and cut them down? For example, Joel 3.13, the Lord's speaking to an angel and he says, Put ye in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, get you down, for the press is full, the vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes. In the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near. In the valley of decision. I mean, it's his day. But it says, the day of the Lord is near. Near to the person's life. So, a lot of times, when the person hears God's voice or feels the Lord drawing him to Christ, or a lot of times, when a Christian witness is led to share the gospel with somebody... A lot of times is they might not even know it. They're nearing the end of their life. The day is near. The day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. God, in his mercy, is giving them yet one more chance. Though I know in my life, before I came to Christ, I had chance after chance after chance. And God was so merciful. God gives everyone a chance. But young people often, they think they're immortal. I know because I was young once. And I thought I could do basically anything. It would never touch me. And I got carried away by emotions and feelings and the way I was living was if I was going to be living in the flesh forever and a lot of young people do this but not exclusively a lot of older people do too but of course they're not going to live here in this flesh forever death comes to us as a surprise to many people and in my ministry as, as a witness and an evangelist I can think of more of one case where I shared the, the gospel with young people. They didn't want it. And they died in a car crash. For others, it was a drug overdose that took them. Medical problems. Just sudden, unexpected things. And there are cases around the world where someone closes their eyes, doesn't even know what's happening, opens their eyes, and they're being carried by an angel. And I, and I wonder if a lot think to themselves, this must be a dream, but then say to themselves, well, except that this feels more real than my previous life. And it feels so real. What, what sort of veil was over my eyes? My previous life seems like the dream. And how many wonder where we're going? Do they even ask the angel, where are you taking me? And it's to a place like a prison cell in deep darkness under the earth. How many think about a Christian who tried to witness to them? 
Oh, I remember. It was only yesterday, that crazy man on the sidewalk saying crazy things. At least it seemed like crazy things, but then it started to make sense. It hit my heart, and I knew I had to change my life, but I said, not now, maybe later. I'm so comfortable in this way of life. I didn't want to change. I told him, told him to go away. There are multitudes in the valley decision. And it's God speaking to your heart now. Someone here, someone listening online, you've never given your heart to Christ. Well, you can. It doesn't take much of prayer set in faith because it's not me or my words. You know it's God and His Spirit. If so, you can pray with me now. Heavenly Father, I confess that I'm a sinner and I've come to believe that my only hope is Jesus Christ, so I I fall at his feet now and make him my savior. And I thank you for this wonderful, merciful gift in Jesus' name. Amen. And the Bible says that's how a man and woman is born again. And the Apostle John calls it being born of the Spirit. And in the Gospel of John, Chapter 3, verse 8, Jesus says, The wind blows where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So in other words, the wind blows wherever it wants to. And we can see the effects of the wind. We can see sometimes even trees bowing over, sometimes even getting blown over. We can see leaves getting blown around can see the effects of the wind we can't we can't see the wind we just know it's there we don't know where it's coming from where it's going and so it is of everyone born of the spirit so when you're reborn you have to learn a new way of life new way of thinking new way of doing things second corinthians 5-7, we walk by faith, not by sight. So Nicodemus was a great man who's walking by sight, what he could see. He was, a, he was from a good family, highly respected, influential, famous, educated, wealthy. But he was walking by his physical sight and there was a whole spiritual world there that he couldn't even see. With all his education, he had no inkling that spiritual world, until that day he came to Christ. And the Apostle Paul compares the natural to the spiritual. It's in his first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 2. I'll start in verse 7. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, 
but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. <coughs> but the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness to him. Neither can you know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So when you come to Christ, you're born again, you're born of the Spirit, and you start a brand new life in Christ. And a baby, a little baby, when it's physically born, starts off small and knowing almost nothing, right? Baby has to learn just about everything. That's fine. God loves babies. We love babies. But when a baby's born, it's a new start. It's a wonderful opportunity. They have their whole lives ahead of them. What can they do with that? And you don't even know looking at them, right? In the physical, we want what's best for our kids, but a newborn baby could grow up to be an astronaut or the president or an engineer or anything. Literally anything. We, we'd never... We don't know yet. There's so much opportunity there. And there's choices along the way. I know when I came to Christ, it was because I ruined my old life. And I learned the amazing news, amazing grace, that God was willing to take that all away and blot out the handwriting of ordinances that was against me and take all my sin and nail it to the cross and he made, made me a new creature. I had a new beginning. And now what I do with it is up to me. The sky's the limit. It's like a new baby being born. What are you going to do with it? So now that I'm born of the Holy Spirit, I can read the Bible. I can read God's Word and understand. Then I have a choice whether or not am I going to listen to this? Am I going to apply it to my life? I have a choice. Will I surrender to Christ? Will I give Him my, my time, talent, and treasure? Will I give everything that I am to Him? So our closing hymn is number 596, I Surrender All. And, and it's up to you. It, it can just be a song. That's fine. It's a nice song. Or it can be more than that. It can be the meditation of your heart. Offered to God. 596, I surrender all.